Hello and welcome to a Tuesday, February 28th edition of the Sports Ethos NBA DFS Today podcast. I'm your host, Haris Kermani, and I'm going to be joined by my guy, Ramiz, as we go through after, what, a couple of weeks off now, to get a 10-game slate under our belt today. So, you know, right back into the thick of it. I know we were just talking off air that uh, it's been a couple of weeks since we had our opportunity together. I either got sick, then we had the All-Star break, and then we had a snowstorm in between, which we have (laughs) come ahead and uh, caught in today as well. So clearly it's a sign. It's... Getting cold out there, but uh, we're going to be heating it up tonight. Lots of games to go through, lots of injuries, lots of narratives, lots of different situations to be able to handle. And really, there's a lot of uncertainty. It's why, as far as spreads are concerned, there's a lot of them that haven't uh, come out as of yet. Uh, you know, it's just the reality of it, So, which is why you want to keep yourself up to date with all the injuries that are happening. And what better place to do that than on the Sports Ethos DFS Pass? Get yourself subscribed to that. Get that access to the live injury report. Get yourself onto our Discord where you can ask the pros all the way up until lineup lock to really get yourself that little edge that you need in a slate such as this, which, as I said, 10 games. Lots and lots to go through as far as that's concerned. Of course, we're really just going to focus on you know, our key plays in between that. We'll focus on the Thrive Fantasy side of things and try and make it so that we can uh, get through this in a quick fashion. All right, well, let's jump right in, Ramiz. Uh, you know, we have our first game happening here, Chicago-Toronto, which happens to be what's breaking out here. I don't know what the snowstorm is going to look like or what the weather is going to look like tomorrow, but hopefully I can get myself down to the Scotiabank Arena to be able to watch this one. But we do have a total for this, 219.5. The Toronto Raptors favored to win by five. And I'm going to start. Yeah, hey, 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 hey. <laughs> None of that, all right? We've got to come back from that bad Cleveland loss there. But I'll let you go ahead and start with this. Tell me, what are you looking at as far as this game's concerned? Any key guys you're targeting in this one? Well, you spoke on a key word in your introduction, and that was narrative. And I think uh, I think you probably have a maybe a similar take as well with DeMar Rose at 7,700. And uh, obviously, before the All-Star break, I believe he was dealing with some injury issues. And therefore, I think he wasn't having the best of games. But uh, honestly, he's... Looking, looking healthy, kind of had a bounce back game last one, if I'm not mistaken. And it's against Toronto. I mean, if there's anybody left to play against Toronto, it's DeMar. I mean, whether it's the Chris Boucher poster or probably something new this game, which you're going to put this live. Uh, but I think DeMar's going to have a great game. And honestly, I, I usually don't go for one of the big three out of the Chicago Bulls because they're usually priced out around the same. But there is a difference between uh, uh, a gap between Levine and Fuchovic and DeMar. And I think DeMar is just a a really safe option with, especially with a ten-game slate. You don't want to spend too much on on that in above like eight thousand. But I like Demar and I like uh, Kobe White from the Bulls side. I think Kobe White is kind of because uh, my pessimistic thinking of the Raptors is letting these three-point shooters shoot and letting them get hot. And Kobe White just fits that fashion of being a guy who's going to just be having a great game, especially since as long as he stands in the corner, the Raptors don't like to defend that spot, and uh, he'll be able to get a lot of open shots. And uh, on the Raptors side, I, I, I just went with Jakob Uh You said it as well with the over and under is around 219, which is much less than the other games If you uh, once you talk about them. And I think that's mainly going to be due because it might be a defensive uh, grind. And if that's the case, I think Jakob Poto is going to have a huge impact on that side of things. Yeah, I mean, you've definitely hit the nail on the head. Those are two of the main guys that I was looking at uh, for this game as well. Uh, I do think, as you said, it's going to be a bit of a 
slower paced, more deliberate half court game, which is why I'm kind of avoiding some of these uh, other guards that I may would have, would have otherwise been potentially interested in, just given the fact that there is a good bit of upside coming into the later games here. But yeah, Jakob Pertl for sure. I've said it in my previous uh, podcast as well at this point. Honestly, he's going to get to somewhere between 7,500 to 8,000 very, very soon as he can, continues to be that uh, focused starting center for the Toronto Raptors and needing him in so many different matchups here. It's clear he's been a huge boost to the team since he's got there. So even in his down games, he's been uh, putting up mid-30s as far as DK points are concerned. So very, very safe here. Until he gets to that 7,000 plus, I'd be taking him most nights. So I feel good about that. And yeah, right there with you on DeMar. Their price is finally, finally back into a 7,000 range, which is where I'd like to take him. And that small forward, power forward eligibility for a guy who's essentially a guard you're gonna get a good bit of uh, a good bit of versatility out of that as well so let's let's move right on to the next one which is one that brings in with it some unfortunate and big news the lakers going into memphis to take on the grizzlies and we just got word earlier today that lebron is expected to miss significant time with his foot injury so that was pretty bad. Uh, if you saw the videos as it happened, he said it. he heard something pop, but he still played the rest of the game, which was, I, I guess it's kind of a, a crappy situation because they obviously needed him to be able to pull off what was a big win as far as the Lakers are concerned. But unfortunately, it looks like it's going to, you know, might be the end of the road for LeBron for this season. But let's see what uh, what the news comes there. But it does open up some interesting possibilities as far as what the Lakers rotation is going to look like. And as far as the Memphis side is concerned, it's really just Steven Adams that continues to be out as well. But as far as where I'm focused on, as far as the Lakers are concerned, it's really the uh, duo of Dennis Schroeder and, and Malik Beasley. Looking at both those guys at being you know, significant kind of beneficiaries of LeBron's injury over here, apart from the fact that the Lakers badly need as much shooting as possible. And Malik Beasley, despite not necessarily being the most efficient so far in his uh, stint with the Lakers, has put up 11 three-point attempts in both of the games that he's played as a Laker so far. So obviously has the greenest light to be able to keep shooting. And I expect that he's going to get lots of opportunities to keep doing that in this matchup as well. 4,500 gives you a pretty safe floor from which he can operate and just needs to hit a couple to get going. And Schroeder, very much the same situation. 4,900, he's going to be locked in as the point guard. We do know that D'Angelo Russell is doubtful for this game as well, so that just adds even more onto his plate as far as uh, being that point guard for the team. And even though Anthony Davis is going to be there, you're likely going to need Dennis Schroeder to be able to do something as far as offensive production is concerned if the, if the uh, Lakers are to put up any sort of a real fight against the Grizzlies, which I'll make it easy on the Grizzlies. I think all their prices are very solid. I think they're all in a situation where I, I aren't, you know, not really seeing the uh, big upside that I want to jump into. So I'm not really looking at any major Grizzlies to be able to take tonight, but maybe you have a different take on either of these two teams. Uh, similarly to what you said, I think uh, Schroeder and Malik Beasley are some good picks. I went more so towards the Schroeder side because, uh, like you said, D'Angelo is going to be doubtful. I think uh, Schroeder is one of the players that, even if he's having a bad game, they're probably going to play him a good amount of minutes because I think he's the only solid point guard on that team and uh, i also have jared vanderbilt at 4100 because i think uh especially in this type of matchup where it's going to be kind of needed for him to have that kind of grittiness that he has to his game so rebounding defense and uh just having that impact that he hopefully has uh similar impact that he had against uh, the mavericks with against the grizzlies as well and then from the grizzly side of things uh, this is gonna be my first time uh well going for dylan brooks at 4200 because i okay <laughs> I can hear you really laughing uh, but uh, 
Dylan Brooks at forty two hundred. I just think uh, he can't. I mean, it's only upside, right? I mean, he he continuously gets thirty minutes plus. I mean, so for a player to get thirty minutes plus in this type of matchup, where I mean, no one role players tend to play good against the Lakers. Hmm. So I'm hoping Dylan Brooks at home is able to be one of those players as well. Uh, I was close to thinking about Darren Jackson Jr. and hopefully you know, the the stat keeper would boost his stats as usual, but uh, I, I tended to stay away from that. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, we, Jaron Jackson's definitely been more deadly at home than away. But uh, regardless, uh, as you said, it's not uh, necessarily the highest upside uh, kind of matchup for him. And 7,700, you know, you'd need him to do pretty well to do that. And I, uh, I personally also have a couple of others that I'd rather be looking at for this game. Uh, getting right into the Washington Wizards and the Atlanta Hawks game. No total for this one just as of yet, likely because we still don't fully know whether Porzingis is going to go for this game or not. He is listed doubtful, so unlikely that he does end up finding his way onto the floor for this one, while Atlanta is pretty much all systems go on their side here. Uh, as far as who I'm looking at from the uh, from the Washington side here, really just comes down to that, uh, that value area again. I do think that uh, DeLon Wright is in a good price point. For him to be able to continue to produce as he has been for, I'd say, three out of the last five games, uh, consistently getting into that uh, kind of high 20s, low 30s as far as DK points are concerned. And his um, altogether just ability to be able to rack up stats across the board continues to be really important for the Wizards to try and get uh, some sort of offense going. Uh, I do also think that Denny Abdia is going to start to find himself in uh, in more consistent usage, which is really where... Uh, you know, his minutes have been there. It's whether he can get the shot attempts that he was kind of earlier in February coming now. Uh, I think we're going to start to see more of that. They're going to need his offense, especially on a matchup that I expect uh, to be that uh, you know, a little bit more fast paced. And Atlanta being an absolute pylon as far as defense is concerned, it's going to be um, definitely a big night as far as points are concerned there. On the Atlanta side, it just kind of sticks with the uh, the same way that I've been looking at really now. Uh, I've avoided Trey for pretty much the vast majority of the season. But DeJounte Murray, on the other hand, I have been taking pretty consistently. And anytime his price tag kind of falls into the same range it has now, which is kind of sub 8,000, I always just think that's a very kind of safe play for me from a uh, perspective of, one, this matchup is great. Washington is also not a good defensive team. It just ends up being a, uh, a matchup that he can definitely take advantage of overall. But... Also, DeJounte Murray has clearly, uh, clearly been the best player on the Hawks this entire season, by and large. And uh, his usage continues to be uh, kind of going up uh, to be that consistent level that it is now. So for a sub-8,000, sign me up for him. Uh, honestly, uh, similar players that you chose, Devon Wright, 4,500. He's been playing some pretty great basketball. Uh, and uh, with Monty Morris' questionability, hopefully, if, if, I mean... Oh, Hopefully he's not injured as badly, but if he decides not to play, that's more opportunity for Delart right to really you know get a great stat line. And then I also have a Gafford in in a scenario where Porzingis doesn't play uh, at 4500. Uh, I think against Atlanta, the other Quinn Capellas and Yaka Kongus. So you're gonna need a big man like Gafford to really fight against the rebounds because as we know, Porzingis as great as as he's been this season, he likes to stay around the perimeter more more so than the the paint. And then from the Hawks, I think Jajon Murray is. Uh, an amazing pick. I went for him like one of the recent slates on Thursday, mm. and uh, he was just he was amazing. And uh, I think generally for this Hawks team, it's you uh, with Quinn Snyder higher. I think it's gonna be interesting to see what type of players are are gonna really benefit from uh, Quinn Snyder's system and fantasy wise as well. But the John Tremaine 7900, I think, is a must take on almost every slate that you build. 
All right, I like it. Well, let's see how that uh, ends up playing out on that game itself. Moving on to the Milwaukee Bucks going in to Brooklyn to take on the Nets here. Uh, Giannis is probable for this game, so it looks like we're going to get him back on the floor since uh, his last real full game, which was on Valentine's Day, and then he really just played a couple of short stints. Obviously, his wrist had been bothering him there. And uh, on the other hand, as far as uh, Brooklyn is concerned, pretty much all systems go except for Ben Simmons, who's been ruled out for this matchup. And really, at this point, uh, is Ben Simmons even worth talking about? But I will let you go ahead and uh, start with this one. Who are you looking at as far as this match is concerned? Oh, interesting. I'm, I'm not really a big fan of this type of matchup because uh, the thing about the Bucks is they've been one of the best defensive teams in the league. And uh, more uh, Brooklyn doesn't have... I mean, it's just really... It's, I always hate picking teams against Milwaukee because how amazing they can be defensively. Uh, I, the only pick that I kind of have on the net side of things, but I'm not not like really uh, choosing them in every slate if I uh, if I was to get them. But that's Dorian Finney Smith at 4100 because I think uh, in this type of matchup, people are hoping like he can really impact his uh, have his impact on the game. So and then getting steals, a few blocks, uh, a few rebounds, a few points, kind of like the game he had last one. Because at 4100, it's not a really uh, a high price, so you can really get some value out of him. But other than that, uh. Man, the defensive matches that scares me. Yeah, it's true. I mean, we don't have a total for this one, but Milwaukee has never been very fun to be able to get some matchups against. That being said, uh, from the Brooklyn side, I do still think Mikael Bridges has some pretty good upside for mm-hmm. his price tag in general, just in general for how much usage he's going to get and clearly has now gotten the opportunity with the trade uh, to essentially flex his alpha wings, see what he can potentially do. I, I mean, look, he had... Obviously a monster game, the first one to start up, then had a bit of a dud, but then had a great comeback in the game against Atlanta. Now, it's not like Miami was a slouch defensively either, and he was able to go ahead and take advantage of that. But not uh, not necessarily putting it out there as you know a slam dunk pick or anything like that. But I do think at 7,300, he's got the upside. He's got the safe, safe floor to be able to get there. And it makes for a decent contrarian pick because... Other people are likely also thinking the same thing as far as uh, Milwaukee's defense is concerned. And the reality is someone on Brooklyn's going to need to uh, go ahead and get the get some of those points to at least make it somewhat competitive. And I do believe in Mikal Bridges' ability to be able to do so. But let's go right on to then a game that I do have a little bit more interest in personally, which is Sacramento going into Oklahoma to take on the Thunder. And for this one, we do have a total. And in fact, I believe this might be the highest of the night, which is a 238 total for this game, which the Sacramento Kings are favored to win by three. As far as injury is concerned, uh, Darren Fox is listed questionable with his wrist for this game. And on the OKC side, Shai Gilgis-Alexander is out for the game. So it is going to be his third consecutive game out there as well. Uh, as far as where I'm looking, this game's concerned, I know we haven't been talking about too many expensive picks up until now. We've been talking value so far, but this is where I'm willing to get my feet wet. DeMontis Sabonis at 9,800 in this matchup is an absolutely excellent pick. Uh, apart from the fact that he's just dominated this matchup two, ma- two games in already, averaging over 51 DK points in the two games against OKC, if De'Aaron Fox is out, it just makes him that much more of an important kind of playmaker on top of everything else that he's already doing. So it's just going to open up more opportunities uh, for him to go ahead and get his usage going. And I expect that he is going to dominate the matchup once again. While on the OKC side, there is great value to be able to go ahead and, uh, and take advantage of it. So uh, Isaiah Joe, who's continued to start in the time that uh, SGA has been out, 
4,400 has been putting up great numbers for uh, for his uh, value in general, putting up anywhere between eight to 12 three-point attempts a game as well. And I, and I do think he's in a, a great spot to be able to produce. And I missed it, actually, going back to Sacramento. I think Keegan Murray is also in a, in a good spot to be able to go ahead and, uh, and produce quite well here. Uh, it's clear, you know, they have nothing else, nothing else uh, going as far as rookies are concerned other than Keegan Murray, who's been a bit hot and cold, don't get me wrong, but he's starting to get uh, his game back in, in gear now, has played you know, the best part of it. 43 and 32 minutes in the last two games that they did play that that, that Clippers game was ridiculous I'm not going to even talk <laughs> yeah. about that that was I, I wish I was on the podcast did you watch that live that, I did oh my lord that game yeah, is I, stupid it was stupid that's all I can say but yeah regardless the point is they're clearly trusting him more as far as minutes are concerned and he's going to be needed to be that secondary kind of offensive guy on the uh, on Sacramento Kings while De'Aaron Fox kind of nurses uh, his injury so let's see what. It looks like as far as whether he's actually playing or not. So keep an eye out for the injury report. But otherwise, I do like him for his price tag. Uh, I mean, damn, I like Sabonis too. Sabonis is usually like around 11,000. But 9,800 against a team who has no center, which has been the story of OKC almost every game. And uh, Sabonis continues to put up monster numbers. And uh, I think, uh, I mean, if there's one player you want to spend high, you already said it, it's Sabonis. Uh, I mean, at 9,800, uh, you just hope... Uh, it's not a blowout because uh, the Kings have been playing some amazing basketball. I mean, they hmm. made, like they've been continuously winning their ten games over five hundred. And this has been an amazing season for the Kings, uh, and especially without Shea Gilgis Alexander. You hope OKC can stay in the game, but this game will be fast paced and uh, it will be a high scoring game. That's why I do like Keegan Murray in this type of matchup. And at forty four hundred, I think he's going to be able to find the right spots and uh, just really take advantage. I mean, because he is, although he is a rookie, he's still older rookie than the rest so i think he's still gonna have a great chance of just being able to show his experience in that type of sense and then from the thunder side of things i like trey man at 3300 uh trey man is one of those low risk high reward type players because of shape alexander's uh injury he didn't have the greatest game last game against the, the kings but uh he has he is one of those spark plug types player where if he can get it going i think you have a great chance of getting his value and uh Isaiah Joe, man, I, I've been choosing Isaiah Joe and he hasn't been letting me down at all. So I'm going to go for him again because at 4,400, I think uh, he's been this amazing. One of the best, I believe, if one, if the best three-point shooter, I believe, in the mm-hmm. league right now. Uh, and it's insane. I mean, considering he used to play for Philly, which would love to have a shooter like him. <laughs> but uh, he, he's been tearing it up. And I, he's been attempting a lot of threes. He's been starting, I believe, in place of Shea as well. So uh, I like uh, Isaiah Joe and Trey Mann on terms of OKC side. Yeah, that's fair. Well, let's, uh, let's see how it works out there. Moving right on to Denver going into Houston. Taking on the Rockets there. A 232.5 game total on this. And as far as spread is concerned, no surprises here. Denver favored to win by 10 in what should be a uh, pretty high-scoring matchup. And, hey, man, if, uh, if Damian Lillard is anything to go by – could we have another monster kind of guy just go off on them? And with the injuries, as far as Denver's concerned, we do know that Jamal Murray is questionable for this game, dealing with a bit of low back pain to see if he gets himself on the floor. But looks like uh, Aaron Gordon is going to be uh, probable and able to play this game. So we'll see how that ends up working out there. While on the Houston side, looks like Jalen Green, who had been uh, dealing with uh, his groin injury for the last couple of games, is going to find himself back on the floor no real restrictions from what I understand there. While on the other hand, uh, Kevin Porter Jr. is questionable for this game. So let's see how that ends up working out here. So 
I mean, as far as Denver's concerned, there, there's no... I can never say no to taking Jokic, but I'm probably not going to take Jokic in this game. <laughs> it's just one of those where I'm probably ending up uh, taking Sabonis a lot more just for that 2,000 cheaper and in a matchup that I expect to be uh, to be closer on there. But Michael Porter Jr., I am going to continue to take. I am going to continue to ride on that train because it has been doing me quite well for about uh, the better part of a week and a half now. And obviously had a monster game against the Clippers there as well. Dropped 40, 60 K points in that one. Was an excellent uh, turnout for me. We're actually taking him on that one as well. But in general, I think this price tag just continues to be just filled with upside, just given how important he is going to be uh, on just the pure shot attempt side as far as Denver is concerned. If Jamal Murray's out, that just adds that much more kind of pre- preference in the offense for him. So definitely like him for that. And if Jamal Murray is in fact out, then Bruce Brown also becomes right back into play for me as well. Uh, 4,300, this continues to be a guy who, uh, similar to uh, what you were talking about earlier with, um, uh, was it playing? Yeah, Dorian Finney-Smith, just playing all those minutes over there and just doing uh, a little bit of everything for your, uh, for your team. That's what Bruce Brown does over here. It's just He's going to be playing 30-plus minutes. He's going to be getting a little bit here and there involved in that. doesn't matter about his shot attempts because his ancillary stats are going to be there, and I think that's an incredibly safe floor. might be a little bit more of a cash play than a GPP one, but nothing that you can uh, that you can go wrong with on that. While on the Houston side, I am actually interested in seeing what the Jalen Green side looks like because that price tag is super, super intriguing to me. Uh, before his... Uh, injury had happened. He had really, really started to play at a super high level for the four out of those five games before that and against pretty tough oppositions there, two of them being Sacramento, one being Philly, where he was able to drop 40-plus DK points in all of those games there. So I do believe in Jalen Green offensively, and we know he's going to get his volume as far as field goal attempts are concerned. So it's really about how many minutes he ends up playing. And if there's no uh, restrictions coming out there, I'd like him for that price tag to be able to drop a, a pretty big night for him. And I don't know how much I want to trust on uh, Washington Jr., who's gotten you know 30 plus minutes in the last two games there. Obviously, with Kevin Porter Jr., uh, questionable. If he's out, that could potentially continue there. But I do think Jalen Green coming back, who is more of a kind of shot first uh, guard, is going to be uh, taking a bit of that away. And I think people are going to be looking to really jump on that, given his last two games. I may want to avoid it just for that reason. Uh, so I'm, I'm gonna start with the. Nuggets side. I mean, yeah, MPJ 5700. I think uh, the Rockets have been so bad. I mean, you said one of them, someone's going to get the career high, and I think it's going to be MPJ uh, 5700. I mean, that's a lot of low fouls, especially with the night that he had against, uh, I forgot who he had it against, but he had a really great game. Oh, uh, the Clippers. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had a really great game against the Clippers, and you're talking about some really nice defenders there. So uh, I don't think he'll have any issue with the Rockets in terms of scoring. And then, uh, on the Rockets side, I think I, I did think about Ty Ty Washington, but uh, with Jalen Green coming back, I mean, Steven Salas, I don't know what his offensive system is, but we all know Jalen Green's going to get his shots up. And uh, like I said, if Kevin Porter Jr. doesn't, like you said, Kevin, if Kevin Porter Jr. doesn't play, then maybe Ty Ty Washington is, a, is in play. But uh, I also like uh, KJ Martin at 5,500 because uh, he's been starting recently due to the injury of Jayshon Chay, I believe. And uh, he's been making the best of it. I mean, he's been having some great games, whether it was against the Warriors. Uh, in terms of when Jalen Green and both KPJ weren't playing, then uh, KJ Martin was someone who was stepping up. And uh, I think uh, he's, he'll be able to do some similar impact to that against the Nuggets. Uh, in terms of Sengen, though, man, uh, I would love to pick him. But I don't. the same thing with Steven Silas is taking him off in, what, the third quarter and back-to-back games. And if it's against Jokic and 
if Jamal Murray is healthy, then uh, yeah, it's probably the same story. Yeah, it's a tough match to go up against Denver, man. They're getting they're getting real serious at this point. Well, we're moving right into the late night games now, starting with the 8:30 matchup, Indiana going into Dallas to take on the Mavericks, a 2:36 and a half game total for this one. So we're getting into those uh, high scoring late night games here. The Mavericks favored to win by seven. As far as injuries are concerned over here, we're looking pretty good as far as the Indiana side of things are concerned. Nothing really jumping off the bat over there. While on the same side with Dallas, it's really just Maxi Kleber that continues to be uh, dealing with his injury, though he is questioned for this one. But uh, I'll let you jump in on this one first. Uh, who are you liking from uh, this matchup here? Uh, honestly, in terms of, uh, I feel like a lot of people are kind of priced out pretty high. But uh, in terms of Indiana side, I like Mathurin. At 5,200, I think, uh, like you said, it's going to be a high-scoring game because I believe Dallas starts Justin Holiday in the starting lineup. So I think it's going to be a great matchup uh, for Ben Thurman to do his thing and to score the ball. And uh, I also like uh, Jalen Smith at 3,200. Uh, he had a really great game. I believe he was dealing with some injuries, and uh, his return game was just really good. At 3,200, I think he has a lot of upside in that pick. And uh, on the Mavericks side, I, I didn't really pick anybody. I think they're all kind of priced out to where you want them obviously Christian Wood is something somebody interesting but the the matchup against Miles Turner is what uh intrigues me that's fair you know I had to go on Twitter I had to say it I I said I didn't take Miles Turner for that Boston game and he made <laughs> oh, yeah. me feel like absolute trash for that and then he followed it up with a, a monster another game monster game and then followed up with an excellent <laughs> one against Orlando as well so clearly He's out to get me anytime I don't take him. So, look, 7400 is definitely a price tag that has lots of upside with how Miles Turner plays. You know he has the capability of being able to put up a big night on kind of any given night as long as his shot gets going because you know the stocks are going to be there to kind of cover up the rest. So, really, I mean, given the fact that he's probably only dropped one dud in the entire month of February, I think this is another one where he can uh, go ahead and take advantage. Again, Dallas isn't necessarily the biggest team up front, and we know all about Christian Wood and his defensive woes <laughs> on that side as well, which has really been what's uh, kept him off the floor for extended periods. Otherwise, to me, that price tag of 6500 for him, too, is an excellent price from a kind of his points-per-minute perspective that he always has, but... Uh, it's just a matter of when he, whether he actually uh, sees himself on the floor long enough to be able to take advantage of that. So I do think Miles Turner is going to continue to be that uh, a trouble there. And given the other centers that I've been looking at today, really outside of uh, outside of Pirtle and Sabonis that we've talked about, uh, Miles Turner would be the third one that I'm looking at over here. So that'll be that where I focus. Interrupt. But uh, 7,400 for a center, that's not your usually your thing. Well, I mean, I jumped on it for Pirtle as well, right? <laughs> Look, for me, it's about... Um, whether I can see the upside in that matchup or not. First of all, mm. if it's not a uh, if it's not a full-on like defensive center coming out. On the other hand, Miles Turner just has that capability to be able to stretch the floor. So he's always kind of been a bit of a unicorn for me. Anyways, it's kind of like the same situation that I have with Sabonis. Uh, I'll take him because it makes sense for me. But it's all about whether it's coming out here. And I, I don't really like the guards in general to pay up for. I think there's actually some good uh, good value upside kind of throughout the slate that we've been talking about. So. Yeah, it's just kind of how it's uh, how it's working out for me on this one. All right, well let's uh, let's talk right about the last three games now of the night. So first one being the Spurs going into Utah, taking on the Jazz. Another two thirty six and a half game total for this one. The Jazz favored to win pretty big here by nine. As far as the Spurs are concerned, we do know that Devin Vassell continues to be out, hoping 
to be able to get back on the floor for March 2nd. So for my fantasy team's sake, I am fingers crossed because I'll need him for those playoff weeks there. <laughs> Beyond that, uh, Trey Jones is questionable to play, so we'll see if he's able to go ahead and make it on the floor. While on the Utah side, a couple of uh, big names that are ruled out for them, both Jordan Clarkson and Colin Sexton have been ruled out. And in fact, it looks like, at least as far as Colin Sexton's concerned, that we might be seeing a somewhat lengthier absence on his end before he's able to uh, go ahead and get himself back on the floor over here. But as far as where I'm looking, it's really the same kind of usual suspects that I've always liked in general on the Spurs here. Jeremy Sohan found himself uh, back on the floor as normal on the uh, last matchup against Utah. So this is a bit of a rematch for them. Played great in that game there. Got his minutes as expected, which is really what I was looking at here. 18 shot attempts in 32 minutes. Absolutely what I'm looking for for a rookie who they are just in love with. They love his game and they're just going to continue to uh, kind of focus in on him in there. And... With uh, Trey Jones questionable, if he is kind of moved down to out, then Malachi Branham continues to be a guard that I uh, that I look at as well. Now, in this specific kind of 10-game slate, I don't think he necessarily has the biggest upside of, of all the guards that we've been kind of speaking about. I think Dennis Schroeder, who I spoke about earlier, 4,900, is probably going to be one of my favorite guards to be able to take. But Branham is likely going to get a little bit of exposure just to uh, be able to get that uh, kind of thrown out there. And on the same kind of note... Looking at that kind of mid-tier area for the Utah Jazz as well, I expect that Taylor Horton Tucker is going to get to take over kind of major point guard duties for the Utah Jazz while uh, both uh, Jordan Clarkson and Colin Sexton are, in fact, sitting out alongside uh, alongside Chris Dunn. But if we know anything about Chris Dunn is that he's just not a great point guard. I, he played 23 minutes in the last game and dropped 40. I'm going to call that a trap. People are going to jump on this game. Do not, do not trust Chris Dunn to give you two good games in a row. I have, I have had this done to me for many a year in trusting Chris Dunn. So if it happens again, I'll, I'll take the L. I'll uh, eat eat the chin at 3600. He probably isn't the worst thing to be able to throw and see if you can get lucky again. But I do expect that uh, Taylor Horton Tucker is going to be more of that uh, kind of point guard uh, for what the uh, what the Utah Jazz are looking for, and it's going to be more of where I focus my exposure as far as the jazz are concerned well uh, i'm gonna go for the trap i, I think uh kristen at 3600 I, I think uh because of uh jordan clarkson and colin Sexton's absence i think that's where it really opens up a lot of minutes for chris dunn and uh i also went with oche agbaji at 3800 i think these two guys essentially are kind of playing for me because they were two players who got a lot of minutes in their last game with jordan clarkson playing so i'm gonna hopefully assume that uh they get a lot more minutes than usual I do like your Tillamore Tucker pick because that's a really amazing pick. And then from the Spurs side of thing, uh, I went with Devontae Graham if Trey Jones doesn't play because I think uh, Devontae Graham surprisingly has been getting like 25-plus minutes. Uh, so, And he's a player, if you want to tank, I, you're going to play him a lot of minutes too. So I think uh, as he has been struggling to shoot the ball, but I think with uh, the more minutes he gets, uh, he also is 600 creeper. So that 600 can definitely come into use with some other players that we mentioned. And uh, Devontae Graham, I think he can have a great game against this type of Utah Jazz team. All right, fair enough. Well, second last game of the night, Minnesota going into L.A. to take on the Clippers in a 233 game total. The Clippers favored to win by six at the moment. As far as Minnesota is concerned, uh, the usual suspects are out, but Rudy Gobert is probable for this game so he's going to hopefully be able to go ahead and see the floor on here while on the other hand uh, the Clippers are pretty much all systems go 
in fact, even Zubac is listed as uh, just questionable for this one. So perhaps he can find himself on the floor here. But I'll let you start with this one. What are you looking as far as the Clippers-Minnesota game, which is always always an interesting, fun-paced matchup that they continuously seem to have. Uh, with the Wolves, honestly, I'm just looking at Nas Reed if Gobert doesn't decide to play. I mean, Nas Reed is always one of those guys who, if Gobert's not playing, Towns is not playing, he's going to eat. I mean, he, I, he's such an amazing center when there's no one else <laughs> bigger than him on the court. But, uh, yeah, that's pick if Gobert's not playing. On a Clippers side of thing, I, I'm going to go back to my, my favorite player, Westbrook, at 7100. Uh, Westbrook, I think he's been amazing for them. I think he's surprisingly not attempting a lot of shots. He's been efficient, which is not the words that you use when you use Westbrook and efficient in the same sentence, which is surprising. But uh, he's been amazing, and I think their offensive rating has been absolutely insane when he's been on the court with Kawhi and uh, PG. I mean, I mean, they obviously had that record <laughs> game against the Kings. Uh, and then this other game against Denver would also hit, I think, 140, 130, something like that. Mm-hmm. So they've been scoring the ball a lot with Westbrook on the court. And I think as long as he keeps on doing what he is, which is just finding the right man uh, and the shooter's not done the shots, I think he's going to be having a great game at 7100. And I also had Batum at 3,400. Uh, obviously, the thing about the Clippers is always so interesting is the amount of role players they have, the amount of depth they have. And so it's always tough to figure out which of these players is going to get consistent minutes. But Batum has been that guy to get consistent minutes. Uh, he's had 30 minutes in the past two games, uh, mainly because of how he's been playing, uh, just doing the right plays. And uh, at 3,400, I think uh, I, th- I don't think you can really go wrong with him. Uh, so compared to the, the Powells, the, the Mason Plumleys, uh, I think Batum is probably the role player you want to go for. Yeah, I agree. I, I think he fits in with uh, the kind of lineups that they are putting out there. He just happens to be that kind of release valve who's great for being able to shoot from the corners and at the top of the break. So it just works out when all that gravity gets created by Westbrook, Paul George, and uh, Kawhi Leonard, too. Obviously, have themselves been having some pretty great games. Uh, as far as Minnesota themselves are concerned, uh, I do like uh, the Nas Reed one in general. But I do, that being said, Rudy Gobert is uh, likely to be able to play on this one. So Probably going to have to give that one a miss. Uh, where I have uh, kind of been consistently playing uh, on the Minnesota side has been Kyle Anderson. Just if anything else kind of works out, it's just one of those where that small forward, power forward eligibility for a guy who always gets off position assists to make everything else kind of end up being somewhere in the 30s as far as his DK points are concerned. Makes it a pretty uh, nice pick that that I'm never unhappy about when I do end up landing on him. It's just never uh, one that I'm necessarily like going out of my way to get. But he just ends up in a good amount of my lineups, and it ends up working out pretty, pretty consistently there. But I'm there with you on the Russell Westbrook, Russell Westbrook pick. I just think it's uh, one of those where he's found a more kind of cohesive role in the offense. He's definitely uh, becoming more of that uh, kind of full-on point guard again for exactly what the uh, the Clippers need. So 7100 does give him enough upside to be able to go ahead and uh, kind of get advantage of that. My only problem is when I'm looking in the 7000s now, I'm 500 or 600 more gets me DeRozan. 800 more gets me DeJounte Murray. Would I want to be able to play uh, one of them over uh, over Westbrook, depending on how things go? Because as we, as we spoke about earlier, you know, we've got guards that have uh, pretty good price tags to be able to go ahead and uh, kind of get in a pretty good spot, whether it be Dennis Schroeder, whether it be players like Isaiah Joe, Jalen Green, 6,500. I would probably uh, end up taking uh, them more often than Westbrook, but I can't fault you for for getting yourself involved with that. But gets us right to our last game of the night over here. Coming off a career high, the sixth highest 
scoring game in NBA history. Damian Lillard and his Portland Trailblazers go into Golden State to take on the Warriors. A 236 game total. The Warriors favored to win by four. And I just got to ask you, man, 11,500, are you are you on game time for this one going into the end of the night? Man, I would 100% be on that. But a 10-game slate, man, it's, it's too expensive. <laughs> I don't think we have the budget for that. All right, well, who are you looking at as far as uh, as far as the matchups are concerned? I mean, uh, I'm going to go with uh, a player who has been on fire himself and going to go with a bit of narrative, which is Clay Thompson. I mean, I, it's something about the Warriors who would hate the, hate the Blazers. I mean, whether it's Clay, whether it's Jimon, these guys always tend to have an amazing night against them. And uh, so Clay at 8,100 is pretty expensive, but uh, I mean, I just think at home, he's been having a great stretch of games, been feeling kind of back to what he was really in a long time ago, maybe coming back into All-Star form, that's still a question mark. But uh, against the Blazers at home, I think the narrative just really fits it. Uh, from the Blazers side of thing, uh, I didn't I didn't go for Dame, I didn't go for Jeremy Grant, but I, I did go for Cam Reddish, Cam Reddish 4,500. Uh, Cam Reddish is mainly just a pick because uh, the, they are like uh, missing a scoring punch in uh, assignments. Uh, hmm. So I do think that they need to fill that somehow. And Cam Reddish has been starting some games and he's been pretty solid in kind of doing what he's been able to, which is shoot the three, space the floor, and uh, taking advantage of what Dane's been doing, right? Uh, just feeding off what he's been able to do. And uh, yeah, those are my two picks. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, as far as Portland's concerned, I was also having a decent bit of interest in Nasir Little, just in general. Uh, 3,900, uh, again, the, that small forward guys that I can go ahead and expect to be able to play enough minutes to uh, get their value there while still being kind of taking advantage of the fact that there's going to be a lot of shots taken this game. So you, those rebounding numbers are going to be inflated in general. So long rebounds from shooters. It's usually the threes and fours that are able to go ahead and grab those boards there rather than your traditional centers there. So 3,900, more than enough upside for him to be able to uh, kind of hit that value there. But, yes, yeah, I mean, as far as Dame's concerned, man, it's just <laughs> – look, look, let, let's be straight here. He hasn't had a game below 50, 60K points since February 4th, bro. So it's it's kind of hard to be able to just say no to him. And I was putting together you know, a couple of lineups just to be able to see Ooh. how how I could potentially fit him in. And you know what? It, it, I, part of it, what ends up driving me towards it as well is the fact that it is the absolute last game of the night. It's just that it's a thing. I, if I can get exposure to a guy who I think could go off in the last game of the night, I just, I just do it. So it's, it's all about whether... Uh, the, I'm taking enough of these value guys, which I've spoken about lots of these 4,000 guys, to be able to go ahead and fit in with a Dame. So that's it ends up working out. But let's see how that goes, because as far as Golden State's concerned, I'm pretty much avoiding them. I know you spoke about Clay Thompson, but I have a bit of an aversion to guys that are purely just uh, there to uh, put up as many field goal attempts as possible and not necessarily getting the ancillary stats that that they would hopefully get otherwise. So. You know, I'm okay with like an Isaiah Joe for 4,400 to be able to do that. But if I'm jumping into the 8,000s, man, like you're, you're talking about a guy $200 more than a DeJounte Murray. And would you really take Clay over DeJounte? I don't know. Like, it just doesn't, uh, I don't know. I guess I can't just reconcile it with myself. But uh, if he has another big night, I'll just have to go ahead and take it on the chin. Much like I'm going to have to take 
the podcast on the chain because we have now got to the end of our 10 games late over here. But before we do go, as always, looking at the Thrive Fantasy side of things over here, where, you know, there's a couple of juicy options that I that I am looking at over here, which, uh, first of all, Sabonis, which we just uh, spoke about <laughs> for his 9,800, he is sitting at a 19.5 rebounds and assists, where... Again, if De'Aaron Fox does end up finding himself off the floor, I expect that he is going to be a Sabonis that is be a much bigger factor on the point guard side of things as far as Sacramento is concerned. And he has already shown the ability to be able to get eight, nine, if not 10 assists in those kind of scenarios there. So can he get me a double-double as far as rebounds are concerned with that? Yeah, I feel pretty good about it. So 105 points for him to be over on that is one that I do like. And then the other one, and this is, uh, I know we didn't speak too much about him on the actual slate itself, but if Forzingis is going to be out for this game as well, I do think Kyle Kuzma, 32.5 points, rebounds, and assists. Not all that high for him to be able to go ahead and hit in what should be a, you know, again, fast-paced, high-scoring matchup there. Not much defense played. And Kuzma is usually able to get somewhere close to 20 real points. So it, it always just comes down to whether he can get uh, some of those rebounds and assists to work with it. And I expect that this matchup is one where he'll be able to do that. So those are my two as far as Thrive's concerned for me. Uh, so I, I got three. And one of them is the Sabonis one. I, Sabonis, I guess, OKC with no center. Uh, 19.5 it doesn't seem that bad when you think about the fact that he's been able to get what, like 14, 15 rebounds. Pretty, uh, pretty uh on average, almost similarly mm. this week, and but uh, he can also be able to do a little bit of playmaking, so the forces wouldn't be too bad. Uh, Jerry Jackson Jr. I also went over on seven and a half total rebounds. I think that one's uh, it's uh, obviously he hasn't been known as a rebounder, but against this Lakers team, where I'm expecting they are going to struggle a bit offensively, I think there's going to be a lot of misses. And with Stephen Adams' absence, I think you probably run him a lot more at center, especially to match up against the AD. So I do think he has a really great chance of getting oh, around eight to nine rebounds at the bare minimum. And then the last one I went with was uh, Kawhi uh, at 100 points over 35 and a half total points, rebounds and assists. That's mainly because Kawhi has been able to get you like 33 points these past few games. So I don't think uh, 35 and a half is too difficult of a task for him, especially with the way this offensive offense has been for this Clippers team. All right. Well, there you've got it. So, I mean, with those uh, five picks between us, you're already halfway there in terms of getting a lineup set up. So definitely get yourself onto <laughs> thrivefantasy.com. Get yourself uh, signed up and create those props and see if you can make yourself a winner on those lineups there. But that brings us to the end of what is a packed slate. And lots to be able to go through here and lots of things that can change all the way up until lock. So just reminding once again that sportsethos.com DFS pass is your key to be able to keep yourself up to date at all times with everything that's going on. And as always... You can catch me on Twitter at HAK underscore devil, where you can talk to me about what you think Sabonis is going to do tonight, if he's going to absolutely kill it, or if I'm absolutely crazy for thinking that Mikael Bridges is going to be a good pick to be able to take tonight as well. So let's see how it goes. But Ramiz, where can the good people find you on Twitter, Instagram, wherever you are? They can find me at Twitter at too nice. That'll be spelled T-O-0 underscore nice underscore. And you can tell me how Amazing Clay's going to have a night against Damian Lillard. <laughs> All right, we'll see whose time it is. Uh, what did Clay call himself? A modern-day Reggie Miller? So let's see how that, uh, <laughs> that ends up working out for him. Uh, that's great. I uh, hope everyone uh, keeps uh, has a good night. If you're in the snowstorm like us, keep safe. Uh, shovel those driveways now before it becomes <laughs> icy because it's going to
going to happen tomorrow. But until then, we'll see you on the next one. Good luck with your slates and let's go take down some GPPs.